get down with the music behind the music you will be inspired to think higher realize your gift join the muses and michelle Trina. turn us up and through your speakers is the I'm so frustrated right now. I'm so angry. I'm so irritated by um, yet another young black man killed. You know, we can't breathe. That's why we can't breathe. Yeah. As soon as we try to breathe. <gasps> we choked. Something else happens to take our breath, literally take our breath away. Yeah because that's the effect it has. Because we're already traumatized at birth as African-Americans. We come into this world with the trauma of generations yeah. in it, our soul contract. It, it, that's, you know? Yeah, it's in the DNA. It's in the DNA. DNA. It's there, people can say it's not there, but it is there. It's what one doctor, I can't remember her name, calls uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome. I know that's right. I love the term, you know, yeah. it puts it right there before us. I'm, I'm baffled. I am. I've been listening to so many, um, you know, different reports. I'm exhausted. I, I put in a post today that, you know, I'm so tired of being sick and tired. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. I'm just like, I'm just worn. It's with. a heaviness. Yeah. You know, it, it's like a weight. Like even me today, you know, I'm, I'm always preparing. That's just who I am. Yeah. In time, you know, I am watching what's going on. Because yeah. As a practitioner, I have to help people who are going through this after I help myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have to know. Well, how about while you're helping yourself? You know? I mean, are you, like, sometimes the need of the people is so great that even in the process of you helping you, right. you've got to be helping other people. Absolutely. You know, a, a multitasking. It's, it's, it's my constant call. Yeah. Because I understand the impact. I see it on Facebook. I see it in the people I talk to, you know, and my job, my call is to help people feel better about what they're going through. Yeah. You know, but just for a brief moment. So they get a break from the constancy because it wears us down. And then we become non-productive. Yeah. Not only do we become non-productive, yeah. we become reactive. And yeah. feel helpless. Yep. Around it. And it really, really is difficult. Mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. I've been talking about that. Matter of fact, I was talking about this in 2019, Michelle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and I was talking about this call to action, how we have to do self-care and self-love and take care of ourselves and protect ourselves because what's coming down the pike is hard. I believe that. And I believe we just haven't, we haven't even oh, really seen, we haven't seen the worst. I hate to sound like that. I hate to say it, but it's so truthful. I don't think we have seen the worst of it as yet. It's like, it has to get to a certain space before it can get better. Yeah. We can still realize that we are in the same positions. You know, we talking about the same things that we were talking about in 1920. 
Exactly. 1950, 1980. All it's done is take on a different shape, a different picture, but it's the same message. And eventually when a generation finally gets it, exactly. When we finally wake up to what's really happening, when we're really woke, right? That's when we're going to start making some serious changes. I'm proud of seeing this this particular generation. Like you know, they're doing more than just protesting. They're not just standing on the lines and leaving the next day. You know, they are really and truly standing and immersing themselves in in the revolution of this thing. And then they're going back outside and making things happen, trying to get things in writing, trying to change some laws, trying to change some behaviors. But, you know, we have some um, reconciling us black folk. Absolutely. Reconciling that we need to do too. Absolutely. You know, no one is exempt from this struggle. Yeah. Right. No one. That person doesn't exist. Mother nature is not exempt from this challenge. The yeah. apples, the trees, I'm just saying, no nothing and no one. Yeah, no living, no living thing. No living thing. So anyway, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, about what we just talked about, the fact that you are a muse. Do you have a, a writing that would speak to this situation? Yes, it did from the very beginning. I go back and look at that very first book. And as I have shared that with people, you know, in this, just in the past year, mm-hmm. it's amazing how people have opened the book to certain forms and going, oh my God, that's happening right now. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, like I say, born a Negro, you know, hey, you need to be reminded, it wasn't that long ago, I'm 72, but it wasn't that right. long ago. Right. You feel classified as something else. And then we were something else. And then we were something else. and here we come we're gonna be something else (laughs) so yeah you know uh, because I came through the time you know I came through the 50s and 60s Mm -hmm. that was my childhood so I grew up in the segregated south where it was in your face constantly you had no question about whether or not you know uh, you were a second class citizen. It didn't matter how high up on the rung you were. Me being a college president's daughter and all that old fancy stuff, that had much to do with not much. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you still black. You still yeah. get back. Yeah. Get the opportunities they get. Wherever you go, you're going to be reminded. When I went to the University of South Carolina to get my master's degree. Mm. guy one of my muses and mentors of that era right said to me straight up he said they are not going to like you for a whole lot of reasons and here they are and i'm gonna tell you which one won't like you for what just so you can navigate through it i know that's right that was his first bit of advice to me yeah you know this was somebody who did believe in me this was a white man who had grown up in the swamps with black people Mm -hmm. so People were not strangers to him. They were not really different. So I, again, God placed me with the right people. Mm-hmm. But the environment was full of racists. Yeah. People who hated women having jobs. People And look, you know. <laughs> and look I, how long that took. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I well, got, a woman can do more than cook. Yeah. She can do more than clean. Wow. <laughs> So I was fired from the ma- the uh, dean's council as a recording secretary because I understood too well. Wow, no doubt. 
I believe that. I and believe that. Yes. Because she's yeah. picking up some things we don't want her to know. So yeah, you know, it wasn't that long ago. And it's only been, you know, covered up in very subtle ways so that we don't notice. Yeah. You know, we keep being reminded of how much better off we are. And now we can just buy sneakers and buy devices and, you know, get into materialism and what I call in the Zentabulous form, cyberosity. All right, come on, cyber. All about your cyberosity, how good yes. you look on the screen and all of that. You know, at the end of the day, what is your soul doing? Oh, my. Do you even know your soul? Wow. Do you even understand that we all have a sacred contract with healing in this world because that's what needs to be happening? No, we don't understand it. And this is why I'm so glad that I'm having you on so we can talk about that. You, you ever have those moments where, you know, you have been charged, you have been, you have been called and appointed to this, this very particular purpose. That's right. right? And don't you ever just want to be able to have the opportunity to crack open the skulls of all of us who don't get it. Oh girl, don't and get me started. And just kind of pour it in, just, <laughs> just pour it in because I, you know, to me, some of the answers, some of these things are just so simple and yes. we miss the mark. Because that's been one of the reasons I stayed in the background. Yeah. I was working with people and talking to people who just didn't get it, didn't want to do it, you know, got mad at me for doing it. We're always trying to, you know, question, you know, whatever I had to say, you know, and I was like, never mind. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why God called forth the writer. Because it's actually been, and I'm just realizing this awakening, right? Mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm. because of the call to write that I have stayed in the game. Yeah. Because I could do that between me and God. I could write. Mm -hmm. I didn't need anybody else. For, I didn't need the humans to be in my way. I know that's right. Distractions. That's right. Right? You know, between me and God. So I could do that and still be a recluse healer. <laughs> no, not the recluse healer. <laughs> but then when I needed to market these books, when I needed, you know, after a while, I'm like, well, what good is the book if nobody reads it? Yes. Right? Correct. I haven't accomplished what God put me to do, sent me down to do. So I'm in that whole framework and that response to they need to see me. God keeps showing me how and why because I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Starting to because just like you say, I'm amused for you, others say the same thing. You know, that's right. Now thank me for teaching them to breathe or teaching them to ground. Yes. The things that I've imparted, you know, that they didn't learn otherwise, because now for them it's also tried and true. Even my new husband, you know, yeah. a breather yeah. and a bath taker and a relaxation, you know, guru now because no, I love it. Right. <laughs> well, association breeds assimilation. So, oh, but people are—you'd be surprised how hard it is to get people to just do something as simple as breathe. Listen, it's uh, hard to get people to relax. Yeah. I I know for sure hard to get people to breathe because they they already think that that's what they're doing. Exactly. This, this, they just don't get the depth exactly. of it. They don't get the depth of it. The and depth. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I do the body work and why I do demos and things, because my goal is always to give people the experience. Yes. 
the words don't matter till you have the experience in your own being. And so every time I put somebody on this table, mm-hmm. they don't breathe because mm-hmm. you can't come on my table and not breathe. <laughs> Listen, you sound like me. You can't come in my studio and not sing. <laughs> don't try it. Exactly. It's mind. It's it's this mind, and and so much so many of us need to have the tangible. We need to we need to know. We need to see it. We need to experience Absolutely. it. Our faith is weak, and because yeah. faith is so weak. And here's then- the other piece that is again the uh, at the crux of why it's such a challenge as a practitioner is that people are conditioned and programmed mm-hmm. to believe which is so important in our belief system that the only healing or treatment they get is from the outside in. That mm-hmm. it comes from a, a doctor or a mm-hmm. nurse or, mm-hmm. or a psychiatrist, you know, some professional person who can tell you and help you do it. And then now it's not there anymore. Correct. It, it's not about what you do. You know, in my practice and in my experience, what I learned what it was, it was that it was about what I did. Yeah. It only guided me. Yes, they did a lot of other good things. I'm not diminishing because I'm a practitioner myself, right? So I wouldn't be diminishing what we do, you know, with people's bodies. However, at the same time, I tell all my clients when they leave, it's what you do when you leave here that determines your ultimate success. Consistency. Consistency. So, but people have all the excuses and, um, you know, to me, there have been two really strong wake-up calls that we're still not seeing uh, in 2020. And one was George Floyd, yes. I Can't Breathe. Uh, I think that was a symbolic announcement to the world that, you know, we literally can't even breathe. Oh, my God. Been worth much oh, my God. Yeah. And then the COVID being a respiratory disorder. Yes. Respiratory reality check. Yes. When I started watching all the ventilators and all that stuff, I'm crap. I'm watching all this stuff, you know, because I'm learning. Again, I'm a practitioner. I have to stay on top stay of that. That's right. Exactly. And so I'm saying, respiratory, why are these people up? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. They already couldn't breathe. And now we have a virus that diminishes that even more. Yeah. So here you have, you have um, life situations that take your breath away emotionally, mentally. And then here comes the virus that attacks you physically. Exactly. And and, and let's not forget spiritually how they all work in one accord with one another. So no wonder why we are all choking and dying and not the physical death that we're unable to release. To, to the extent that you are grounded, to the extent that you are centered and into your higher self, you can draw other people into that. Yes. So if you're going to lead as a healer, then you need to be Zentabulous. You need to have a level of self-mastery and self-regulation and self-awareness that you can count on when you go into those places that are not resourced. Yeah. You have to be able to hold the light. I I believe that everything, every experience that uh, the creator allows us to go through is intentional. There is a meaning behind it. Now, we might never know what the meaning is as we are walking this earth, but uh, for the ones that the creator permits us to understand and to acknowledge and to become a part of us, uh, you know, hey, I live in, in gratitude towards that each and every day. 
So, so you learn a lot <laughs> when you go from the bottom <laughs> all the way to the bottom. Oh, come on. That's it. And, you know, by divine guidance, that's why I say God is bigger. That's how I got the God is bigger thing because, you know, he kept sending me and my intuition continued mm. to work for me through all of it. My intuitiveness is kind of what saved me. Yeah. Because when, when God would send someone or something to me, somehow I would know. Mm. So I find out that I'm what they call clairsentient. I have a knowing self. And so I would know to, to do it. And mm -hmm. so when he sent me to energy medicine, you know, I really went there because I was a dancer. And I had connected with an old, you know, dance teacher who had passed away. I connected with her daughter and I told her what I was going through because, you know, uh, my dance teacher had passed away and the doctor said, you need to go back. And uh, she said, well, I know what you need. You need to go over here to Synergy Dance with Charmaine Lee. Mm. Say the rest is history. Everything changed. You know, so yeah, when I first went to class to study energy medicine, I was propped up on pillars on the floor. So listen, this is what I know that I am hearing. And um, I hear determination. Yes. I hear the words I use. Consistency. Yes. I hear um, prevailing. Yes. And divine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Prevailing. Yeah. What I call progress. You know, every time I would have something that demonstrated progress, I would believe, aha, that was an aha moment for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so I said, well, if I can make that little bit of progress, then I can make more progress. So, you know, there were just, but these were all things that were gifted to me, either wow. by muses or circumstances or just my own pain being too much. Yeah. So, so as, you are, as you are there, tell, tell me, um, and as you're telling us too, what is a muse to you who and who are your muses like and i'm sure you have in so many different apartments like i do I've, yes that yes. people who are have just inspired you oh my gosh the list is reasonably endless um but there are some standouts that i think are important to highlight uh because you know the concept of muse is something that i've known you know, being a, a person of literature, you know, in my yeah. years as an English major, you know, I read every form of literature known to man. Right. In some ways, literature has always been amused for me. I love that. Because, I love that. Yeah, I read Shakespeare, Poe, Chaucer, William Blake, you name it, you know, um, and all the modern, you know, uh, African-American writers. And of course, Langston Hughes stuck. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he's been amused and actually a family acquaintance. I was going to say, yeah. don't, you, don't you have a personal connect with him? Yes, Lee? I have a personal connection. He actually oh, helped me, me baby. That is beautiful. Isn't that amazing? That, it, no, it really, really is. Like here we are, we're always studying his work. Yeah, we're always talking about him as the prolific writer and and the contributions he's made for the African American Absolutely. community. And here it is that you yeah. had this personal Absolutely. connection to him. I, I, you know, the words really escape me for just the magnitude. 
Yeah, it, there, there really are no words um, for that. It's it's like a soul connection. It's like um, that started, you know, from birth almost because he visited my family when I was like three months old. Wow. And I have a book he, he autographed to my mother. And then I have a letter thanking my mother, my parents, that mentions my name. Oh, stop it. No. I love it. Yes. And uh, that he wrote in 1952, four years later. So that means he probably stayed with us more than once. He stood out. And then my mother gave me the book, the autograph. And I have a piece of music. You're going to love this one. (laughs) At the Feet of Jesus is also, you know that song, I'm sure. I do. I have an autographed copy of the Feet of Jesus. Wow. Right. So just think for a singer who... Number one muse is Langston Hughes to have a piece of music with his singer. I mean, it's just beyond. So he and my mother made yeah. that musical connection because my mother was also one of my major muses as a musician. Yeah. I and, love this. Yeah, I, You have such a rich history in your family. And I promise you, I did not know until we were doing the first part and I started reading into the book, and then I started researching on your parents. And I thought, oh my God, this is incredible. This is really incredible. And I mean, just the, the notion that your father was over an HBCU. Yeah, absolutely, the college yeah. president. And I mean, it didn't get much more prestigious than that. And we did have a lot of advantages. Yeah. You know, we still had the same disadvantages every other black person had though. I know that's right. And we had the disadvantage of being in a small town where there were no other light-skinned Blacks. Mm. Wow. The constant, you know, abuse and taunting that went on, you know, and denial of our heritage, you know, that went on was was a lot. Do you ever write about that? Do you ever write about that part of your life? Uh, just a couple of days ago, because I had to read poetry for a wedding anniversary this weekend, I was, you know, again, visiting myself as a poet. And I was telling the woman who asked me to do it a story about my visual and why I was always hated for my light skin and, and all of that and hair and what have you and the prestige into which I was born. And later on that day, mm. I started writing a poem on hate. Wow. Later on that day, because I went back in telling her about it, because this was an emotional conversation to start with. And so telling her about it sort of brought it back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately started to write, I was hated because I was black. I was hated because I looked white. I was hated. I mean, you know, I just started coming out. Next thing I had known, I haven't typed it up yet, but I was writing this poem about it. Wow. Yeah, that's how we all feel right now. You know, the hatred is so pervasive, whether it's old hatred or new hatred. And, you know, one evokes the other. Yes, it does. Very much so. One evokes the other. So I've had a lot of, you know, old stuff to come up in the COVID season uh, that I hadn't dealt with in a long time that I had to uh, revisit. And that's also one of my muses. You know, muse for me is really a source of inspiration that kind of really runs deep to the soul. Yeah. And it sort of has the quality of what I have come to call spiritual clarity. 
I know it has come through my higher self, which I try to tune into as often as I can. Mm-hmm. It's a lovely place to hang out, right? Mm-hmm. In your God. <laughs> right? And really, really. I mean, you breathe into that space, honey, and life feels good. I believe so, it. Uh, so yeah, it always had that quality. And even if it had a dark quality, and this is where another one of my muses comes in, I was always led to the light. It became always not only the contrast, but then the unison, the divine unison that would come from evoking the contrast. And so just about everything that I would write would have a happy ending or a surprise ending because of my love affair with O. Henry. (laughs) The author O. Henry was a short story writer that I studied in high school. And I always loved the fact that his, his stories had a happy ending, a surprise ending really was the characteristic. And so I noticed that even if I started out in the depths, that everything always ended on the up. I love that. And I said, okay, God, but I guess that's okay. You know, (laughs) know, I'm going from dark to light. So my own trauma and dramas experiences, you know, when my muse is at the same time, the light of my sacred contract with healing balanced that out a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once I got past the shame <laughs> yeah. of telling my stories, um, then I then I found poetry to be my voice of freedom. I love how you had said earlier, there's no distractions from humans. Right. You know, like, you know, there, there's no interference. You no write, interference. it is between you and God. Exactly. And I just go with it, whatever I'm given. And there's a certain givenness, like there's a poem in my first book that was inspired by Langston Hughes in particular, and his use of uh, syntax, you know, and the kind of old uh, Southern slang black folks talk Mm -hmm. and um, gullerish. And um, I was sitting and it's almost like his spirit came into the room. Mm and said to me, Langston is here. And I went, ain't no black man ever better off. Better oh. off, you know? <laughs> All right, come on, cause I done felt something with that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> better <Okay>. off. <laughs> you know, people didn't want to appreciate my gifts because I was just labeled better off. I had everything, you know, I had a well family, educated family, nice place to live, servants and, you know, education. Mm-hmm light skin and straight mm-hmm. hair and smart, mm-hmm. all the stuff, right? mm-hmm. But nobody cared about my soul. <laughs> you know, I have a soul like everybody else. So the stuff got in the way. So the connection to these muses has always been a powerful, powerful part of the joy of my life. Just knowing that that would always remind me of how I was connected to something bigger. Like I said, even working with you and what we're doing now on the podcast is such an inspiration. All kinds of things are coming in, you know, yeah. you getting into the poetry threw me into it deeper. You yeah. know what I mean? Because when, when, when my community, my muses come into my community of effort. Yes. Of effortless effort. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. Then that's when creativity flourishes. Absolutely. Other thing though that I loved about what I read was that the muse has a certain quality, inhibited, open and free quality of their selfness, right? Mm. That draws the creativity out of, out the of others. Yeah. 
and draws upon their innate uniqueness and you know their authentic self. Yeah. Because they're not pouring, they're drawing out. Yes. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. I do. Holding space, as we say in energy medicine. Yeah. You know, and so the, you're in that space, like I'm in that space with you whenever we get a chance to perform together. And right in that space, God is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> right in that space, you know? <laughs> hey, God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Right? Love that. I love that. Tender, because I know you're going to hold the form. And I'm going to do everything I can to hold the form with you. And God is going to allow it. God is going to lift yeah. up beyond what you and I could even have imagined. Yeah. Be the outcome. Yeah. If God is bigger. It means that God gives you better than you can ask for. Oh! I always like to tell people I'm, I'm trying to live in the overflow. Yeah. You know, the part uh, in the verse that's in uh, Psalm 23 that says, my cup runneth over. Yes. I'm trying to live in that. There you go. Overflow. Yes. You know, let alone, let alone I've got so much stuff inside the cup. It's hard for me to even deal with what's, what's pouring out from around the rim. That's right. I'm, I'm trying to live in that. Lord, help me. Yes. Help me to be able to, to be able to, you know, forge that journey because it, it, it comes through in your craft. And, and, you know, that's, you know, what we all need to think about as creatives, whether we sing, play, dance, act, you know, you're 100% talk, right. you know, you know, what is, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Now you're the divinity of your soul to come through your authentic, you know, we spend too much time, you know, uh, imitating others. You know, and you know what I mean? Oh, oh, I, I sure do. Sing like this one and sing like that one. And yeah. write, like one, write like that one. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I keep going back all the time. I, I tell the young, the young people that I talk with about their artistry, because you're right. They are bombarded in social media with people who constantly are putting up stuff, right? And then they start to compare their thing to the people's stuff right. that are put up. And if their thing doesn't have a, a resemblance to the stuff, right. then they get very despondent, you know, and start questioning I the gift within them. Leontine Price was asked a long time ago, you know, um, if she loves listening to her voice. And she says, absolutely. But she had to learn to appreciate her voice so that she could understand what she was bringing to the world. Absolutely. And I thought, that's that's it. Like, how am I supposed to offer up what I call the gift that God has placed within if I can't even appreciate what it is? Another thing though, to go back to your muse question, why this podcast is so significant in particular right now, it's a healing podcast, whether you know it or not, because muses to me, you know, are sacred things. And those muses, you know, they connect with our spirit, they connect with our soul. And I think they have an e a healing because this is the other thing that needs to be said about this. Yes, thank you, God. Mm. Is that creativity is a healer. Absolutely. In and of itself. Mm -hmm. Music is yeah. a healer, right? Absolutely. I mean, art is a healer and that's what's important to know and that's why the muses that maximize the passions of our creative self 
which is our reproductive self. It's our water element. It's that whole place in the belly and below, okay? Down yeah. in the cavern. Yeah. <laughs> where, where creativity dwells yeah. energetically and then moves up through the core and expresses itself through the crown, you know? And so it's a sacred thing. And, you know, people will really tap into it when it comes and, you know, enliven the opportunity to receive it. And that's what the breath does. Mm. The breath allows you to go into your inner self in a way that connects you to your higher self and then connects you to the muses that are there for you. The spiritual and divine guidance that is there for you. I swear by it. I live by it. As a person who suffers physical pain and a lot of physical disability and, you know, a lot of things I can't do, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I enjoy the gifts of the spirit mm -hmm. that being able to do other things that other people can't do. Okay. <laughs> Come on and say. I started over so many times, mm -hmm. you know, until I realized how to better manage my continuum of healing and then my life around my continuum of healing. All right. So the other awakening I had, Michelle, was that my whole life, every breath I take every day is united around my intention to be healed. If it ain't contributing to my healing process or my wellness or my awakening, not doing it not spending my time there. And so that's the way I walk through every day, recognizing that there's so much more there mm. as a person who requires constant healing and as a person who offers constant healing to the world. Yeah. There's always more there, you know, and there's always more to experience and there's always many more ways to feel better and feel good and to and to pass it on to the world oh yeah it's I say my life is my laboratory this the, the waiting to exhale yes and we can we can we yeah, let me, yeah that's a good thing i think it's important to speak on the exhale because i didn't get do that in, in in the first podcast please and there's a to me the psychological part of it is why i call it waiting to exhale mm-hmm because I think we were already doing that because of pent up, as I said earlier in the conversation, pent up shocks to our system mm -hmm. and sympathetic overload and being in that loop. You know, um, you know, we were already holding our breath, waiting for things to change. You know, we've been doing that for generations, African-Americans have. Yeah. But, you know, just if you come into modern culture into the 21st century, it seems to have gotten worse because we're seeing ourselves being murdered and now we're suffering all these pandemics. So we're holding our breath, waiting for something to change. Yes, indeed and we that are. that isn't helping us. Now there's, there, there's science around the benefits of breath holding. That's a different thing in the context of this example. Right. Okay, we're, you know, holding our breath, waiting to exhale is a dilemma. Mm -hmm. logical physiological psychological dilemma we're all a part of because we have this energetic mass of people right we have a critical mass in the universe around the world of people who are engaging this behavior because we're all scared to death we're gonna die my god 
So it's like a massive panic because that's what panic is. When I used to have panic attacks, the thought that would come into my head was that I was going to die. I literally thought I was going to die. And so my behavior got so erratic in my breath. Sure. And that. So that's where we are. Yeah. So uh, what we know is that the exhale part of the breath is the relaxing part of the breath. And that we don't exhale deeply enough. And that's one of the reasons we are in hyperemia. Mm. So that waiting to exhale breath or the exhale first breath does just that. It invites you to exhale first before you inhale. Mm -hmm. And when you exhale first, as you know, you have an involuntary inhale, which yeah. makes it actually kind of easier. So I always, I always like to do is always get comfortable first. Yeah. You're sitting, you know, get comfortable, try to let go of any obvious tensions in your body. Ground your feet and your voice, if you will. <laughs> Bring it into center, right? Mm -hmm. Relax your shoulders and take that awareness. You can even do a little bit of a Zen scan where you place your hand on your uh, belly and then your hand on your upper chest and just notice your natural breathing. It's always a good place to start a breath, any breath practice, just to take a minute to notice your in-breath and to notice your ex-breath exhale, I'm sorry, out breath, and to just be with that for a minute or so. It doesn't take long. And so when you finish any breath, you, you do an after the breath pause. So when you finish with that, you want to just pause and let your hands go and just notice or keep your hands there and just notice what you feel. This is where your healing hands come into play. You want to begin to tune into your inner body sensations. And that's where the information is. And that's where the healing occurs within, right? Within the cerebral spinal fluid, within the bloodstream, or the energy systems of the body. So you just want to notice. And so now that you're relaxed and you're into your inner self, you want to blow out, exhale through your mouth and empty your lungs from the bottom up. And you want to pull your belly towards your spine. until you get an automatic inhale. Because some people can do it longer than others. So I just want you to do one at a time first. Just one exhale first. So let's do it again. Exhale through your mouth. I'm gonna count to four, right? And one, two, three, four. Keep going if you can. Five, six, seven, eight. Now allow your inhale to come in naturally. Notice how that feels and notice whether that sort of settles a little bit because you've emptied out the lower lungs, you've come in contact with the contact with the parasympathetics and then the inhale is a natural reflex. So you don't even have to think about it. Now, if you do that uh, in a controlled, continuous way, but first you just want to notice, it's so important with breathing in my opinion and my practice to notice what happens after any breathing observational practice. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the magic is. That's where you know whether something has shifted or not, or something mm -hmm. has improved itself, or something has moved, right? And it's about getting that inner movement to express itself through your body, through the cells and the muscles and the skeleton of your body. So let's do it now four times continuously. We're gonna mm -hmm. exhale, 
and you're going to allow the inhale to come become automatic. What were you comfortable with? Four or six? It doesn't matter. Not, okay. Well, I'm going to do it on four for people who may be listening that don't have the depth, though I know a lot of singers can, can do it longer. Right? Right. <laughs> All right. So we want to exhale first, pulling your belly towards your spine, pushing, you know, and you can exhale through, I'm going to say mouth because I'm thinking about singers, right? But whichever is comfortable for you. Mouth and nose, mouth, pursed lips, soft lips. What is most comfortable is what's best starting out. All right, so exhale through the mouth to the count of four. I'm gonna do a slow four. One, two, three, four. Inhale, reflex in the nose. Two, three, four. Exhale through the mouth. One, two, three, Four, inhale through the nose. Two, three, four, exhale through the mouth. Two, three, four, inhale through the nose. Two, three, four, and rest. And now again, you want to notice whether you feel any movement in your body and your shoulders, out through your arms and your neck. You know, the beauty of this kind of breathing is sometimes it will automatically move you from the inside out in your musculature. Mm -hmm. It helps to relieve tension in a way that we call effortless effort. Mm -hmm. Because you use the breath to make it happen. Mm -hmm. You didn't go into your neck and say, oh, come on, stretch my neck. You allow the breath to elongate, to open up your rib cage and open up your spine and then elevate your musculature. Mm -hmm. musculature. You know, so there's a connection between all those things and a continuous breath. Now, the third thing you can do with the exhale breath is to also alternate between holding the breath and the breath. Mm -hmm. Holding the breath has the intention of allowing us to expand again the ribcage, the breathing capacity. When you hold the breath, if you don't hold it too long until you get into a panic, <laughs> you know, just to, you know, again, to account, I'm going to use the four, 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 four. And here's how that works you exhale four mm -hmm. and you hold for four, mm -hmm. and you inhale four and you hold for four. Mm -hmm. So let's do it once, and then we're gonna do it consecutively in a controlled fashion. So get ready, ground your feet, relax your shoulders. Just take one breath to settle. And now we're gonna exhale to four, two, three, four, and hold, two, three, four, inhale, two, three, four, exhale, two, three, four. Okay, that's one. Let's do it one more time. Because, you know, counting creates a whole nother mentality, but it's just one of the most important things about any breathing practice that isn't des that's designed for relaxation is the slower, the better. Mm -hmm. Right. The slower, the better. So I'm just saying that in general. Yes. Okay. 
So let's try the one, four, 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 four. Exhale, four, hold. Inhale, fold, four, hold. Let's try that again. Exhale, four, one, two, three, four. Hold, one, two, three, four. Inhale, one, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Sometimes you have to repeat because, you know, it's new stuff, right? So now what you want to do is you want to do that four times without stopping. Mm -hmm. And then you want to pause and then notice because hopefully by the time you get to the end of it, you might feel an expansion in your chest cavity or in your diaphragmatic area. The more misery you imbibe, yeah. you become it. Mm. You know, you are what you experience. And most of your experience, you give to yourself. By the way you see things. Very true. By the way Perceptions. You things. Perceptions. You know, yeah, what I love about the Buddhist thing is their reverence and their, their teachings about non-attachment and the impermanence of things. And, you know, I write about non-judgment in, in, the, in the memoir because that saved my life too. Because energy is constantly moving. And when we'll that's the relationship we're in, there's a constant exchange of energy, whether we like it or not. Absolutely. That's why I'm very, very careful. I tell people if, if you are a part of what I call my inner sanctum, yeah. um, you're lucky <laughs> because yeah. I don't have, I can count the people on yeah. one hand. And there's a reason because everybody's energy is not designed for me and I'm not designed for everybody's energy. Exactly. And I'm, I'm okay with, you know, being yeah. able to have few in number. Everybody doesn't share your joy. They sure don't. They trample all over your joy. They sure will. Uh, with their judgments and, you know, valuations and all that. So I'm also careful who I share my joy with. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love this conversation. It, it really has so many parts to it that we could just, we could continue. I know, right? This conversation so, is very I'm going to ask the creator. <laughs> you want to continue the conversation? Okay, right. A part <laughs> I'm asking the creator right now exactly. to allow the time and space to take place in the ordained time for it to happen again, because there is so much work that needs to be done. And so I'm grateful for the platform to be able to get it out into the world and let people do what they got to do, you know? <laughs> Take, eat, chew, spit it out, whatever you need to do, digest. Hopefully you know. one day their cup will run over. Hey! Will be, you know, I even wrote down what you said about being in gratitude. Oh, absolutely. And how to be in gratitude and what a difference that makes in your active life. It sure does. T.D. Jakes was preaching um, about the fragrance of God in that in such that we, when we have God enveloped within us, when we walk into a room and we leave the room, people should know that the presence was trained. Love, light, energy, everything that is positive um, should be a part that follows us because the creator dwells. And it says this, there is, there is, Another experience of anointing. It's called the sweet smelling aroma of his presence. 
how sweet it is when he chooses to allow us to smell the fragrance of his knowledge, his love, and his anointing. Mm, Let's embrace that moment and allow that anointing to rest upon us. That's what it is. It really is that. That's beautiful. Be ye continued. To be ye continued. (laughs) Blessed be. Blessed be. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Paula. I love you so much. Yes. Thank you for your time. Until next time. Yes, my friend. All right. Bye-bye. Music. Music.